only way to heaven. We're going to be reading tonight out of the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40. I'd like to read the, I'm actually going to use the whole chapter of Isaiah 40, but I'm just going to read the last few verses. That'd be uh, quite a few verses to read tonight, and since I'm going back and we're going to go over the verses, uh, we'll, we'll get to them one way or another. But I'm going to read tonight out of Isaiah chapter 40, and I'll begin there in verse number 26 and read down through uh, the very familiar verse, uh, verse number 31. Probably most everybody in here tonight could, mem- uh, could say by memory, uh, memorize Isaiah 40, 31. Very familiar verse. But starting in verse 26, Lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who hath created these things that bringeth out their host by number? They calleth them by their names, by the greatness of his might, that he is strong in power, not one faileth. What sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel? My way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard? That the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases their strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you tonight, dear Lord, just for the wonderful words. Words of life. Words of duty. Words of strength. Lord, tonight, in this particular passage, I pray that you would reveal that strength. Lord, as you tell us in that so well-known verse. Lord, we need strength. We know that we're facing many things in our days. But Lord, we know that many others have also faced difficult days. More difficult than what we're going through. As the nation of Israel faced at that time. I pray, Lord, that you'd speak to our hearts tonight. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, Isaiah is a great, of course, they're all great books, for sure. Really enjoyed the book of Jeremiah's, Brother Drew, you know, and he would say for himself, Jeremiah is a very big book. And uh, to deal with that in just a few sessions, you know, is just something that's, it's hard to do, but uh, really enjoyed that study going through the book of Jeremiah. And, of course, uh, the things that, uh, you know, came about and, and the captivity and uh, what they were going through and what they, as far as we can tell, what they could have escaped, I believe, if they would repent it, if they would return to God. But we know that they didn't. And we know that, uh, Babylon came and they went into captivity. Well, when you're looking at this chapter, you have here kind of a, a, a thought of that, a picture of that, what was going to happen. And I believe 
the circumstances that God's people were in. And we'll see that as we look through these verses. But the thing about the book of Isaiah, and of course I'm sure many of you know, but the book of Isaiah, as one person said, it's, it's a lot like the whole Bible. For instance, there's 66 chapters, and of course in the Bible we know there's 66 books. And the first, uh, the first 39 chapters of the book of Isaiah basically deal with the sovereign God or the judgment. God on his throne, his government. And the last 27 chapters, which of course there's same thing with the Bible. We know the Old Testament, you have 39 and 27 in the New Testament. Well, the last 27, and of course we're catching one of them tonight, speaks, of course, more about the Savior. More about not only just the sovereign in the first but the Savior in the second part. So it's really an interesting thing when you look at it that way. And of course we know that when God dealt with the nation of Israel, there were many times that he uh, would have in an instant had delivered them, had saved them, but yet they did not turn from their evil way. And we know they went into captivity. We know, of course, you can find in the book of Jeremiah, I believe it's chapter number 7, where Jeremiah warned them. And, of course, what did they do? They did not turn. They turned faintly, or the word that was used. But, nevertheless, they did not turn to the Lord, and we know what happened. But all that being said tonight, and I did mention it, I believe, a while ago, we're going to talk about how that God is greater than than any circumstance. God is greater than any circumstance. Whatever that you're going through tonight or have went through or will be going through, and of course, hopefully those things in the past you've realized that God is greater. Hopefully the thing that you might be going through tonight, you know that God is greater. And for those things that we will be going for, if God, uh, you know, gives us more time, hopefully we'll know that God is greater than any circumstance. When you look at Isaiah 40, there's a lot of verses that talk about the greatness of God. And I believe God was revealing to his people just how great he is. And that ultimately, when they come to verse 31, that God would have convinced them that their strength is in the Lord. And that's what we need to realize. Circumstances can be difficult. In the book of Proverbs 24.10, the Bible says, If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. I remember that verse, Brother Harvey used that verse. I know I've heard him use it three or four times in some of his messages that he preached. But nevertheless, it's, it's, it's true. If we faint in the day of adversity, it's not because God is not greater than that adversity we're facing. It's not because there's some type of an enemy that we're facing that's greater than God. It's not because that we found ourselves in a circumstance 
that God is oblivious to and he don't know what's going on. He's already, and he does address that with, in this passage. God knows what's going on. God knows if you're in a lion's den. He knows if you're in an ark. He knows if you're in a pit. He knows if you're in a fiery furnace. He knows if you're in a dungeon or prison or whatever you're at, wherever you're in, God knows. And we're going to see the picture of that and how that, that God, there nothing gets by God. Nothing's greater than God. But many times the things that we face in our life gets our eyes off the Lord. And saying that, one person said, if I can find it, here it is right here. One person said, circumstances are those nasty things we see when we get our eyes off God. We don't, we, if our eyes are on God, we really don't even, we shouldn't even be bothered really about circumstances. But circumstances are those nasty things we see when we get our eyes off God. One person said, if you look to God through the circumstances, he will seem small and far away. We don't look to God through the circumstance. You see, because God is above. He's greater than any circumstance. So I want us to look first of all, and I want to read these verses starting in verse number one. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith God, saith your God. Speak you comfortably to Jerusalem, talking to the prophet Isaiah, crying to her and her welfare. So we know very clear who the messenger is we know very clear who's being addressed and here's the message a message of comfort speak and comfort my people and he said there that her welfare is accomplished the welfare the word means their appointed time or the trials that they'll be going through or facing god knows what was going on God knows what's going on. He knows what will go on. He says that her iniquity is pardoned for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Never forget that to whom much is given, much is required. You know, a lot of times when we look at the nation of Israel, we look at whether you want to break them up, talk about Israel or Judah or whatever. We know we dealt with both of them. And you look, you find, of course, the Syrians came in, the Babylonians came in. After that, the Persian, and they were both went into captivity. You'd think Judah would have learned. We talked about that in the book of Jeremiah. But you say, why did they have to go through those things? Why did they do that? Well, because they were God-chosen people. And they were tested. They were tried. James says, rather count it all joy when you fall into divers temptation. To whom much is given, much is required. Whether you realize it or not, we as Christians are going to be tested. He says, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight the desert and the highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill shall be made low, the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, 
for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. The voice cried, and he said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the goodness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth. I'm sure you recognize that from First Peter. Because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it, surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our Lord shall stand forever. O Zion, that bringeth good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain, O Jerusalem, that bringeth good tidings. Lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid. To say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with a strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather lambs with his arm, and carry them in his bosom, and shall gently lead those that are with young. We see four things from these verses. First of all, we hear the voice of peace. Or excuse me, we hear the voice of pardon. Think about that. Comfort ye my people. Speak comfortably to Jerusalem. Cry unto her. This is something that hasn't caught God off guard. Speak comfortably to them. You see there the voice of providence. Which he was saying that one would come. And of course you know you're familiar with that. Who he's talking about. He's talking about the voice in the wilderness. He's talking about making straight the pathway. Talking about John the Baptist of course. So talking how that he's got things prepared. You see God used his people. Where did Jesus come from? The God's son when he came into this earth. Where did he come from? He come from this great nation. That he's addressing tonight. He used the people. There was a voice of promise. The promise is in verse 6 through 8. The promise is that the word of God will stand forever. No matter what happens. And notice that he made the statement. All flesh is grass. Could it have been that he was talking about the enemies that were coming upon him? You know, think about it. The Assyrians came. And then, of course, the Babylonians came. The Persians came. One came after another. But what happened? It wasn't long till they faded out. The Babylonians faded out. The Romans faded out. The Assyrians, all great that they was, they faded out. It, what God is saying, listen, even though this enemy seems great, it'll pass. Like grass, it'll wither away, but my word will stand forever. And I want to tell you that God's word started from the very beginning to his people that he chose, that he would raise them up. He would protect them. He would feed them. He would comfort them. He would save them. He would provide a way. He would, all those things that the word of God has said to the nation of Israel and, and Judah, he said also to us, the promises of God stand sure. No matter what the circumstances are, you can always count on the promises of God. And he promises us. He promises us help. <clears throat> he promises us strength. And then, of course, the last thing in this, he talks about peace. And when you can find those things, that's an encouraging message. He was talking about things. 
that it happened, circumstances. But I want us to look at it in a different way. You see, what he gives them here is a picture. And I want us to read, and starting, I got to 11, I want us to start in verse 12. Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, made it out of heaven with the span, comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure, weighed the mountains in scales, the hills in a balance. He had directed the spirit of the Lord, or being his counselor that had taught him, with whom took he counsel and who instructed him, and taught him in the path of judgment, and taught him knowledge, and showed him the way of understanding. Behold, the nations are as a drop of the bucket, and are counted as a small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isle of a very little thing. And Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor the beast thereof sufficient for a burnt offering. All nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted to him less than nothing and vanity. To whom then will you liken God, or what likeness will you compare to him? He was telling them that God is greater than any circumstance. No matter what it is, when you begin to talk about the greatness of God, you see the remnant. They were facing a long and difficult journey. Maybe that's why he mentioned the highway, the path. You see, a lot of times, instead of just seeing a door, the open door, instead of looking by faith and counting on the word of God, all we can think about is the long road of the circumstance we're on. How long is this going to last? Boy, it's a long and winding road. How long till it's over? Instead of knowing that God can take that crooked way and make it straight. God can, of course, uh, deliver whatever that is greater than any circumstance. They probably in their mind thought, well, a Syrian army, the Babylonians, Persia, they've just come in. They've done what they would. They're greater than our God. And he makes very clear, the prophet makes very clear that no one is greater than God. Who, he says, this talking about God. He said he measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. You ever looked out across the ocean? You can't, I mean, you just start, you, all you can see is water. It just goes out of sight. I don't know how much water is in the ocean. But the ocean is just the biggest body of water. There's ponds, lakes. And everything, and most of the earth that we live on is water. But you know what? God can fit all the water in the palm of his hand. That's how great God is. That he could take up the ocean in the hollow of his hand. It said he comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure. How much dirt is in this earth? That'd be hard for me to imagine. God knows. He weighed the mountains in the scales and the hills in a balance. Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor or taught him? With whom has God ever took counsel and instructed him? And of course you know that these answers, uh, these, these questions are rhetorical questions. The answer is no one has. 
Nobody's taught God. Nobody's directed God or counseled Him or instructed Him. God is all-knowing. He's all-powerful. Look in verse 15. He said the nations, notice it's plural. Whatever you're talking about Babylon, you're talking about Assyria or Persia or whoever you're talking about, it makes no difference. The nations are as a drop of the bucket. I like that. We've used that saying sometimes, like a drop in a bucket. Well, you know what these nations are to God? A drop in the bucket. You know what the great nations are today compared to God? A drop in the bucket. You see what is saying here is that God is greater than anything or anyone on the earth, in the earth, or above the earth. God is greater than anyone in heaven. God is greater than any on the earth. God is greater than any under the earth. You can go down to hell or wherever you want to search. There's none greater than God. There is no nation that God cannot speak a word. And they'd be completely wiped out. He could just take the oceans in his hand and dump it over on them like that. And drown them if he wanted to. He's a great God. So you see in 15, they're a drop in a bucket. Look at verse number 22. It said, it's he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. That's how great God is. I mean, that everyone else is like a grasshopper compared to God. He's a great God. Not only that, notice what he says. And of course, there's a lot of verses here. I'm not looking at every one of them. But notice in verse number 26, Isaiah tells the people, notice he says, lift up your eyes. Not only look around, look around at the oceans, look at the mountains, think about all the dirt, think about all these things. Well, how about take a second and look up? And he says, lift up your eyes and behold, who hath created these things? Look up at the stars and the clouds and the moon. And look at who is not just talking about the greatness of the earth, but look up into the heavens. Who could create this? He calleth all them by names, by the greatness of his might. This is a great God. The psalmist talked about this same thing. Where he said he knows the stars by name. He knows all the stars. Not one of them fall without his consent. But the God that great. Still can look down on you tonight. And touch your broken heart. And heal your broken heart. He can save your lost soul. He can deliver you out of any circumstance. That you are in tonight. That's how great a God he is. Not only does he know every star in the heavens, he also, let's make it a little bit more personal because we don't even know the stars. We don't, but do you know that he knows every hair on your head? He knows every single hair on your head. I didn't say mine. He knows, he knows every hair on mine too. Mine's a lot less than some of you. 
But however many they are, I'd, I'd hate to count them, wouldn't you? I had a guy one time, he had a hair transplant. I said, how many do you have transplanted? He said, if you don't do over 5,000, you you're just wasting your time. You know how many hairs 5,000 is? Apparently not a whole lot. Just come out of the nap of his neck back there. But folks, God knows. There's a lot of hair. God knows every hair on your head. Every star in the sky. And when you think about the vastness of the universe, again, bring it down to personal. He knows you. He knows you that well. He knows the circumstance that you have been through. He knows maybe the circumstance that you're in right now. Or he will know about the circumstance that you'll find yourself in in days to come. You say, how does he know that? Well, let's read. Notice what the children of Israel said there. Well, we read verse 26, but look in verse 27. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel? My way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary, neither, it says there's no searching of his understanding. In other words, why would you say that God don't know what I'm going through? And that's what they said. My way is hid from the Lord. Do you think because whether they were there in captivity or whether they were in a wilderness or whatever they were going through, their ways was never hid from the Lord. They never went through anything that God did not know before they even went through it. God even reveals those things that would be coming upon them. And when God revealed what was coming, he also revealed to them their help. You see, that's how great God is. So whatever the circumstance may be, you say, well, I'm not strong enough to get through this circumstance. We can't do it. And that's basically what the people were saying. We can't do it. Well, here's what he says to that. God, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not. Neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. So listen, in our own power, there's none of us that is greater than some circumstance that we might face in our own strength and power. But by faith and by trusting God and by believing His Word, and knowing that God is there, then there's power and there's strength. And that's what he says, wait upon the Lord. That's what he was telling. Judah, wait. I know you're going to go through captivity. Yes, it's going to be, what, 90 years and, and all these things, but just wait on the Lord. That nation will pass. There'll be another nation. That'll pass. But he said something. You know what he said? I've got something in store from you. And he already 
mention some of those prophetic passages about how that they would uh, be on the mountain. They were in the valley, then they were on the mountain. They were publishing the good news. When he talked about those prophetic things, what he was saying is, I'm going to see you through. You'll be looking down upon these circumstances. Just trust in me. You see, instead of praising the Lord and just believing his word, they were complaining. They were good at that. Of course, we are too a lot of times. But God knows. He knows that we're not strong enough. He knows how we feel. He knows not only how we feel, he also knows our fears. But God can meet every need. And you know as well as I do. And you've heard this verse, I'm sure, over and over and over again. Not really just preaching on this verse, but the whole chapter, the whole, yeah, the whole chapter is what I want to look at tonight. But you'll notice when he says, wait upon the Lord, you know what that is. It's talking about a hope. It's talking about a confidence. You see, I've waited on some people in my life and I didn't have much confidence they're going to show up. I didn't know if they'd show up or not. There wasn't much hope. And I waited. But folks, when you wait on God, He's going to show up. And when He says, talking about waiting and a hope, not talking about, well, God, I'll just sit here and I ain't going to do anything till you deliver me. No. Continue the walk. Continue to trust Him. Continue to look to Him. And He'll give you the strength that you need for everything that you face in life. There's nothing that we will face that has caught God off guard. There's nothing that we will ever face that God said, I would like to help you, but I just don't know how. There's nothing that we would ever face that God said, well, I'd like to have you, but I tell you what, what you're going through, it's way greater and stronger than I am. You know that that's not the case. We can wait on God and we can hope and have a blessed hope and know that God will do what he says he will do. He uses the word wait and he also uses the word renew. From my understanding, this word renew means to exchange. What's he talking about? Exchanging weakness for strength. God, I don't have anything to give. I'll just give you all my weakness and I hope to receive your strength in return. Let's do an exchange. And that's kind of what Paul says. That in his weakness, God was made strong. You see, and that's kind of what this is saying to us. That's what the prophet was saying to the people of God. Exchange your weakness for his power. And God will make the swap because he is greater than anything you ever face. So not only that, he talks about, of course, what a great, I mean, you could preach on this one verse. But he says, mounting up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary and they'll walk and not faint. 
you see it's talking about life. Again, waiting is not setting. It's about walking. It's about moving. Those that are running will not get weary. Those that are walking will not get faint. God is with you whether you're in a valley or a mountain or wherever you're at. But not only that, he can raise you above the circumstance. You ever get swallowed up in something? You ever, whatever it is, just feel like you're overwhelmed and swallowed? Whatever it is with a circumstance in life. And you just think, I just, I'm drowning. You need to be lifted up. And that's what he's talking about. Mount up as wings, with wings as eagles. You know, why would you, what is that needed for? So you can just be above the circumstances. And you can look down there at the circumstances. Yeah, it's still there. But I'm above it because I'm with my Lord. And I'm trusting Him. And I'm dependent on His strength. And as long as we do that, we can rise above the circumstances of life. No matter what they may be. But we have to wait on the Lord. We have to renew our strength. And then, of course, He said, we'll mount up wings as eagles. Ready not be weary. Walk and not faint. Father, I thank you tonight for the words of hope. Lord, I don't know what is to come in the world that we live in. Hopefully, there will come revival and many more days of just enjoying your goodness, enjoying one another in fellowship and trying to reach a lost and dying world. But Lord, whatever the days will bring, the hours or minutes or whatever, Father, help us to remember that you are greater than any circumstance. And all the things that will happen in this world are only circumstances. They're as the grass of the field. They'll fade away. They'll pass. Great people will come and go. Bullies will come and go. The enemies will come and go. But Lord, you will stand forever. And your word is sure. Help us tonight not to get caught up in circumstances, but to look to you. Not only to look past them, but so that we can soar above. I ask these things in Jesus' name.